As a leader, I think staying focused, laser focused on what matters most, have been essential to ensure that we are living our values and supporting our employees and communities. That was Albert Porla, Chairman and CEO of Pfizer. Albert was responding to a question about leadership in times of crisis, and he spoke about the importance of a laser focus by his executive leadership team and himself. I'm Gary Bisbee, and this is Fireside Chat. Earlier in his Pfizer career, Albert was group president of Global Vaccines, Oncology, and Consumer Healthcare Businesses. We dug into the value of vaccines and the issues related to developing a vaccine for COVID-19. He referred to Pfizer's entering four vaccine candidates into testing during April. To get to market as quickly as possible, Pfizer will concurrently modify and ramp up existing manufacturing facilities to meet the needs of the clinical trial and beyond. Our conversation covers Pfizer's international and U.S. contribution to the COVID-19 battle, Pfizer's five-point plan to rally the biopharma industry to collaborate on combating global pandemics, and Pfizer's commitment to partnering with leading health systems and areas of shared interest. Let's welcome Albert Borla to the microphone. Good afternoon, Albert. We're pleased to have you on the microphone. Welcome. Thank you very much, Gary. It's a great pleasure to be with you. Well, by way of background for today's conversation, again, we appreciate your being with us. Due to the COVID-19 outbreak, we're all facing challenges and seeking opportunities to contribute. None more than Pfizer as a leading multinational pharmaceuticals and vaccines company. So to begin our conversation, Albert, could you share with us what Pfizer is doing to contribute to support the battle of COVID-19, both internationally and in the U.S.? Of course. First, let me say that it is both a great privilege and a great responsibility for our colleagues to serve patients in general, and particularly at this moment in time. We have an opportunity to demonstrate to society the power of our science and the quality actually of our character, because we want to make sure that at the end of this crisis, the crisis, we find ourselves in the right type of humanity as well. So as one of the world's largest biopharmaceutical companies, our role in this crisis is dual. On the one hand, we are focused on protecting the safety and well-being of our colleagues while maintaining the continued supply of our medicines to patients around the globe. But also on the other hand, and more specifically, we are working with experts both within and outside of Pfizer to contribute medical solutions to this pandemic. So let me share some of the examples as this is what you were asking. First of all, in terms of finding medical solutions, we are collaborating with industry partners and academic institutions to develop potential novel approaches to prevent and treat COVID-19. We aim to leave no stone unturned, and I'm pleased to share that we have made advances on multiple fronts. We announced recently that Pfizer and BioNTech have entered into a global collaboration agreement to co-develop BioNTech's potential first-in-class mRNA-based coronavirus vaccine program aimed at preventing COVID-19 infection. We plan to jointly conduct clinical trials of these vaccines initially in the U.S. and Europe, and in fact, there are not only one, but four candidates that we are testing right now among multiple research sites. We intend to initiate these phase one clinical trials as early as next week. And assuming, of course, regulatory clearance uh, that they will allow us to go to humans, uh, we are working very collaboratively with both EMA and FDA. BioNTech and Pfizer will also work jointly to commercialize the vaccine worldwide, excluding China, upon regulatory approval. We estimate that there is potential to supply 
millions of vaccines doses by the end of 2020. And that's important because I think fall will be the period that without knowing, but uh, many of us are afraid that we may have some spike in the infections rates as is happening with flu. I said we don't know, but uh, it is a possibility. So that's why it's important to have some doses already this fall. Uh, it's difficult, but we will try it. And I want to thank everyone working on this project. And based also on results of initial screening, we are working on treatments. And we have confirmed for multiple molecules, a lead one, together with several analogs, analogs of this, that they are potent inhibitors. So basically, in, in plain English, uh, they have the potential to treat coronavirus. And we will perform uh, some uh, confirmatory studies. And we are investing also in materials at risk. So before knowing if indeed uh, it is working well, to be able to have materials in hand so when we find out and if we find out that we can move in an expedited manner to the next phase, we can do it without stopping. And also in addition to these exciting scientific updates, we play our role. We commit $40 million in medical and charitable cash grants to help combat the disease. And we announced together with Lily, Eli Lily and Merck in a joint announcement that we are going to enable our employees who are licensed medical professionals to aid in the fight against COVID-19. We make it very easy for them. If, uh, they can go, if they wish to, to support with full pay from Pfizer and with their job waiting for them once they want to go back. Well, congratulations on the last point particularly. And by the way, the Academy is working with the three of you, Pfizer, Merck, and Lilly, to help find the right health systems for your employees to work in. So we're very appreciative of that. We also note the terrific support through the Pfizer Foundation with the $40 million and not an insubstantial sum. You recently called on biopharma industry to collaborate on combating global pandemics with a five-point plan. And I wonder if you could share with us, Albert, what led to the development of the plan, and what are the specific points of the five-point plan? In recent years, this life science industry has brought forward some of the most impactful medical breakthroughs known to society. Therapies from HIV or cancer that has extended millions of lives to novel gene therapies right now. So we know that as an industry, we can change the face of global public health, and there is no health challenge that we cannot overcome. It is true that right now, most of the world's hope is invested on us to be able to find a credible, rapid solution. For this reason, we want to work as one team with our industry peers and partners, closely with federal agencies to more rapidly bring forward a range of options. So we need to prepare the industry to better respond to future global health crises. This is the goal of the five-point plans, which issued on March 13, to connect all members of the innovative ecosystem, from large farmers to the smallest of biotech companies, from government to academic institutions. And since we launched it, I can tell you that we have received in excess of 240 companies requests from them, requests for help on multiple levels from Pfizer so that they can progress in solutions against COVID-19. That's very impressive, 240 companies. Can you share with us what the specifics of the five-point plan are? Yes. The first one was about we all should all share tools and insights. We are rapidly improving our knowledge, but very little still is known about the virus. So many organizations are working to develop, for example, cell-based assays 
or viral screening or serological assays or translational models to test potential therapies and vaccines. And we are doing the same. And we committed to make these vital tools broadly available in an open source platform to the broadest scientific community. And we ask everybody else to do the same. So the specific knowledge of one institution should also always be inserted and should not be a bottleneck for another institution that don't have this knowledge progress there very so, so that's a first, the sharing tools inside. I think also it's key to marshal our people because our people are very skillful, but they are already devoted to many important tasks, fighting other diseases. So that's why we have created a SWAT team of the leading virologists, biologists, chemists, clinicians, epidemiologists, vaccines experts, pharmaceutical scientists, you name it, that we put them to focus solely on addressing this pandemic. And they have a great passion and they apply this passion and commitment and expertise to this single focus of writing the discovery of vaccines or therapies. The third point, applying our drug development expertise. And that has to do with many smaller biotech companies as screening compounds of existing therapies. But they are lacking the experience in late-stage development. And they are lacking the experience of navigating the complex regulatory systems, no matter how much regulators want to make it easy. So Pfizer is committed to share our clinical development and regulatory expertise to support the most promising candidates. And as I said, 240 companies, a lot of them, they want help on this area. The fourth is we are offering our manufacturing capabilities. Once a therapy or vaccine is approved, it will need to be rapidly scaled up and deployed around the world to put an end to the pandemic. As one of the largest manufacturers of vaccines and therapeutics, we are committing to using any excess manufacturing capacity and to potentially shifting production so to create even more capacity to the degree that we are not hurting other groups of patients with shortages to support a rapid getting these life-saving breakthroughs into the hands of patients. Again, significant amount of requests is for support on manufacturing. And last but not least, we are committed to improving future rapid responses to address future global health threats. We are reaching out to federal agencies, including NIH, CDC, BARDA, to build a cross-industry rapid response team of scientists, clinicians, and technicians able to move into actions immediately when future epidemic surfaces. So this is the essence of this uh, five points plan. Yeah, very comprehensive and impressive. Thanks for sharing, Albert. I was going to ask you what will success look like, but with 240 companies already reaching out, I think that is the first step in success. Do you have other thoughts about success over the next several years of the five-point plan? No, I mean, the first four points are of needs to be assessed immediately, right? When I say immediately, the next few quarters, because be assessed based on our ability to all together bring solutions. We have already created open platforms and we have put a lot of stuff over there so people can access it. And we are asking from other people and they are doing the same. But the fundamental success is when we have an effective and safe vaccine available in quantities that can fight this pandemic, and an effective and safe treatment available in quantities that can affect this pandemic. 
Of course, I will add also unit testing, etc. But I'm speaking on the areas that the us and our peers can focus to contribute. Another question was, how's the five-point plan been received by your Pfizer colleagues? I would imagine that they're very enthusiastic about it. They are proud. And I can't imagine the amounts of emails that we are receiving daily, and we try to measure it also with services that we are running, about how our people feel. And the number one word that comes out is not grateful, it's not safe, it's not unsafe, it's not concerned, it is proud for what Pfizer is doing. As I said, it's very important because what is happening right now will be remembered for the years to come. How Pfizer as an employer responded to this towards their employees will be remembered by our people for the years to come. Will be remembered by the medics, will be remembered by the patients. Well, it's a great example of Pfizer's leadership. Let's turn to another aspect of your leadership and that is the board of directors. How often are you communicating with your board of directors about COVID-19? Gary, we are fortunate to have a highly engaged board. And they care a lot about the well-being of our colleagues. And it's top of mind for them. But also top of mind for them is Pfizer's role in the current pandemic. They also feel proud for what we are doing. And I have been in very frequent contact with the board regarding our top priorities since the pandemic began to emerge. I regularly say every week. I'm giving them an update of the rapidly emerging situation and the things that we are doing. Uh, we had the opportunity to convene also on a, a four call this month to, to discuss our actions. Our discussion center on the steps we are taking to protect the health and wellness of the people and also ensure that healthcare providers and patients have access to our medicines and vaccines and we are discovering medical solutions for this pandemic. Your weekly meetings, I take it that they are virtual board meetings. I don't have virtual meetings. I have virtual uh, written communications and updates to them. And we did have out-of-order board meeting that was a call in the month of April that was devoted predominantly to discussing the COVID-19. Okay, good. One other quick question. How do you communicate or how often do you communicate with your Pfizer colleagues? I try to one way or another also on a weekly basis. And in the beginning, I was not thinking to do it that frequently. But I realized the positive impact that these communications are having. So I try to alternate and send videos or send written communications, but try to do it quite often. Well, I'm sure they appreciate that. Many of our audience are executives of the leading integrated delivery networks. I know that Pfizer's prioritized partnering with IDNs. I suspect that they do as well. But could you provide an example of areas of mutual interest between Pfizer and these large IDNs? Of course. These partnerships are focused on shared priorities, like clinical trial innovation and patient experiences, how we can work together to do that, social determinants of health, so that we can provide healthier population, value-based care, population health initiatives, uh, data analytics and digital technology solutions, such as telehealth, uh, remote patients, uh, monitoring, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think those partnerships, particularly when they focus on shared priorities, can lead to breakthroughs and transformational change in ways that neither Pfizer nor our partners can do independently. Right. Pfizer has been very supportive of 
working with IDNs through the academy, two particular areas. One is integrated research agenda for care redesign and another for cardiovascular care to develop best practices in that space. Both the IDNs and the academy appreciates Pfizer's support and the Pfizer team working with us. I'll just give them a call out, Albert. They've just been terrific. Congratulations. Thank you for letting me know, and we are also very proud to work with you. Excellent. While we're discussing leadership, leaders learn lessons during times of crisis. And as CEO, what lessons have you and your executive leadership team learned so far due to the COVID-19 pandemic? You know, it goes without saying that this is extraordinary difficult time for everyone. And the public health challenges that are posed by COVID-19 have impacted almost every aspect of our lives. And we should see it like that. We should not try to separate professional from personal uh, hardships because at a certain point, the two, they converge together. As a leader, I think staying focused, laser focused on what matters most, have been essential to ensure that we are leaving our values and supporting our employees and communities. We have set very early priorities with my leadership team, and we are staying laser focused to make sure that everything we do falls under those areas. The first was the safety and well-being of our people, and we follow it, we monitoring. The second is ensure the continued supply of our medicines and vaccines to patients around the world. If people cannot go to a restaurant, it's an unfortunate hardship, but if they cannot get their medicine, it can be a tragedy. So it's important that we will be able to provide their medicines that they are needing for every disease that they may need them for. And finally, the third priority was commitment to work together to discover breakthrough therapies and vaccines to address this crisis. And you, you jump into it and you need to make sure that you bring positive tone and the compassion that everybody needs to see that the leader is having right now. That's why I think Pfizer remains committed to do that, and we try to lead by example. Well, we look forward to following up with you as this crisis unfolds. Love to have your continued thoughts about leadership and lessons learned. Turning to vaccine development, and you mentioned this earlier, which we appreciated, but I've been eager to ask you this question, given the fact that you were group president of Vaccines Oncology and Consumer earlier in your career at Pfizer, and you mentioned the four vaccines that are going into clinical trials next week. But is it typical that Pfizer would have as many as four different vaccine candidates for a disease like COVID-19? I think it is typical. What is a typical to have in that short period of time? These are often called one of the greatest public health interventions of all times. Uh, diseases that once decimated and uh, crippled entire populations like smallpox and polio by a distant memory to many and unknown to younger generations, and all this because of vaccines. But then also, more recently, we have seen vaccine innovation deliver vaccines against mococcal disease, rotavirus, HPV, singles, you name it. So now, I think more than ever before, the value of vaccine has been seen across the entire globe because now people can see, because we have another pandemic, how an effective vaccine can be one of the most final and reliable steps that can happen to address this crisis. And that's why we jumped into it to do it that fast. We appreciate that. How long would you expect clinical trials for these vaccines or these types of vaccines to take, Albert? Typically, it takes a very, very long time. And the only reason why 
we could bring it earlier, it is because we are doing things very atypical. First of all, we collaborate with FDA on an expedient manner. We are submitting papers to them and they are giving us feedback in no time so that we can kill all this downtime that exists between doing the trials and being able to start the next trial. Also, we are going to do things in parallel. Usually, you will do phase one and then you will do phase two. Usually, then you will do phase three. And then you will start thinking about manufacturing. We are going to do it in parallel. We are going to invest at risk. We are going to spend hundreds of millions in reality in capital, equipment or materials that uh, if the vaccine won't work like you will have to write it off, which is not how typically we would do things. But special circumstances are calling for special decisions. We are moving. And as I said, we hope that if the stars are aligned, we are lucky. We see that the four candidates that selected from many, many more that we start testing in humans right now, that at least one will be proven with high efficacy and high safety so that we can be able to have millions of doses in this quarter. Not for everyone, but at least for some sensitive population, maybe healthcare workers to be on the front line, and then hundreds of millions in 2021. Wow, that'd be terrific. I've heard a number of people say that there was little chance that a vaccine could be approved even before the end of 2021. But keep up the great work because it sounds like you're on a path that could produce the vaccine much earlier than that. What about manufacturing? How much of a constraint would that be? I could see that the vaccine would be developed, but then it would take a while to gear up manufacturing. How would you think about that, Albert? No, I think manufacturing would be a significant bottleneck. And this is why companies like ours, that they can have the end-to-end capabilities from very early preclinical tests all the way to creating and shipping a finished product after they make it to the patients, they can create much more value. And this is what we are doing right now. So we have already deployed our plans as to how and where we are going to manufacture vaccines if they are successful. Uh, we are shifting production of other things to make sure that we create space. And as I said, we start already getting uh, materials that uh, will be needed for something like that. It's not going to be in one manufacturing site. There's going to be multiple manufacturing sites that are aged. And they will be all in the U.S., but also in Europe. Well, to wrap up, Albert, we really appreciate your thoughtful conversation today. And we wish you and Pfizer all the best as you play a leadership role in combating the coronavirus challenge. And we would love the opportunity to get back with you periodically and chat with you further and get your updates. We very much appreciate your being with us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was great talking to you, Gary. Thank you, Albert. This episode of Fireside Chat is produced by Stratfire. Please subscribe to Fireside Chat on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. Be sure to rate and review Fireside Chat so we can continue to explore key issues with innovative and dynamic healthcare leaders. In addition to subscribing and rating, we have found that podcasts are known through word of mouth. We appreciate your spreading the word to friends or those who might be interested. Fireside Chat is brought to you from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C., where we explore the intersection of healthcare politics, financing, and delivery. 
For additional perspectives on health policy and leadership, read my weekly blog, Bisbee's Brief. For questions and suggestions about Fireside Chat, contact me through our website, firesidechatpodcast.com or gary at hmacademy.com. Thanks for listening.